for Spirit of God, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to hear your word. Holy Spirit, speak to us, lead us, and guide us through this service. I pray, Lord, for everyone that is here under the sound of my voice. I pray, Lord, that your voice will touch everyone that is here. May you reach to our hearts, O oh God. I pray, Lord, let our lives not be the same as we came in. But I ask that you draw us another step closer in our walk with you. Spirit of God, we thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you clap for Jesus as you take your seats. And let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2 our foundational scripture we are sharing about faithfulness 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 and our foundational scripture is in first corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2 and i read why don't we read all together let us read one two three go first corinthians 4 2 moreover it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. First Corinthians 4 2. Hallelujah. This is the word of God. That servants, people who serve God, it is required of you. It is not an option. It is not by choice. But it is a must. It is a requirement that you are found faithful. Not that you say you are faithful, but we find you faithful. Amen. That we see you are a faithful person. Amen. Faithful means constant. Dependable. Faithful means you are loyal. Amen. You see, there are some people who say they are faithful, but they are not constant. You find them here today, you can't find them tomorrow. They say, stand here, wait for me, they will never be there. They say, call me this day, then you call them, they are not there. They say, come to me, come visit me this day, and you call them, you say, you are coming, you say, I'm not there. But a servant of God, you must be faithful, constant, always. Amen. Amen. Now we are saying, or we have been sharing, that this is a requirement, and a lot of people, or almost everyone, wants to be faithful. Now how many people, Tell me, even if you know someone who has purpose in his heart or in her heart, that I don't want to be faithful. That I, I, I don't like faithfulness. Anyone like that? You see, even, even the world, they depend on faithfulness. The world promotes people who are faithful. People who are loyal. People who are constant. Do you understand? Even sinners, sinners, they want faithfulness. Gang members, even they want faithfulness. Oh yes. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? That if they find you are unfaithful, you are not loyal, they will eliminate you. So faithfulness is something that everyone yearns for, everyone desires, everyone wants. Including Satan, you want faithfulness. People who are constant, that you can depend on. If he's looking for a young man to sleep with a young woman in the church, he wants one who is always there. Do you understand what 
I'm sharing with you. God wants us to be faithful. God wants us to be constant. He wants us to be loyal. And we are sharing that people do not just become unfaithful. People do not just become disloyal. But they go through certain stages that lead to disloyalty or unfaithfulness. And we have identified these stages in the Bible and we are sharing them. Is it a good thing? So, those of you who have missed any part of these messages, I will encourage you to visit our podcast and all the messages are there for free. You can listen to them. All you need is a phone. That is not a young. Amen. A phone that is smart. A phone that thinks. Smartphone. Amen. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? If you have a phone that is smart, you can easily listen to the messages. Hallelujah. Wonderful. So please, I want to encourage you to listen to these messages. Amen. Now, the stages that a person goes through, we identify the first stage to be the stage of independent spirit. Independent spirit. That is a stage where you are in a group, but you become independent of the group. You are in the group. You are not leaving the group, but the rules of the group do not govern you. The rules of the group do not guide you. You are not guided by the rules of the group. It means you do whatever you want. For instance, we say we are having Agabaptophes for the church. That we are all gathering for a festival, a Saturday that we all gather on a park and we barbecue, we eat, we enjoy ourselves and then we get baptized and so on and so forth. Get to meet different people. Young people get to meet beloveds. They find beloveds in other churches. People they can marry in other church potential beloveds to marry from other branches that all meet. And then you choose and say, I go to the um, what do you call that? The Ghanaian one. Meet me there. Meet me there. I go, I go to meet me there in, on August 20 something so I can go for this one. Do you understand? But you are in a church. And so whenever we are doing something that doesn't concern you, that is an independent spirit. Hallelujah. The second stage is the stage of offense. Offense is number one key that the enemy uses to remove people from the church. Offense. When you are offended and you are not healed. When you get offended and you don't heal, it's like a wound that comes on you that doesn't heal. If you have a wound on your toe and doctors are ministering to you, they are putting medications, giving you antibiotics, giving you, sometimes they do bypass, give you new vein to supply. That is like ministration. You come new message, giving you new message to heal. And you decide never to heal. The ultimate thing is to cut off the toe. Unhealing toes ought to be removed from your body. Otherwise, it poisons the body. Do you understand? Otherwise, it poisons the body. And that is what offense does. Offense, when it comes in you, you see, God has a way that you will be removed if you don't heal. 
Otherwise, you poison the rest of us. You become a poison. Whenever you are offended and you don't heal, it destroys relationship. When you are offended and you don't heal, listen, don't joke with the word of God. It will offend, it will destroy your relationship. Amen. Some of you get offended. You have come to the church and you are coming to seek God. You are coming to find God here. And then another person who also came to seek the same God offends you and then you leave. You leave. It's like you go to the court. Maybe the, the police gives you a ticket for parking in a wrong place or driving at a certain speed. And then you go to court, you want to fight your ticket. So when you go to court, who are you going to see? You are going to see the judge. You are going to see the judge. And then you go and you meet other people who also have similar tickets. They have all come to see the judge. And then as you are waiting for your time to see the judge, someone comes and spills soda on you. Someone is walking to sit down and the person steps on your toe and didn't say sorry. And then you get angry. You get angry or the person disrespects you one way or the other and then you get angry and then you are so angry that you decide to leave the court. I'm not seeing the judge at all. I'm going home. Who do you think is going to suffer? And that is what offense does to most of you. You get offended by someone and then you leave me. You leave me. What did I do to you? Sometimes the pastor has not done anything to you. And then you make it look like the pastor has offended you. When I call you, you don't answer. When I text you, you don't respond. And you make it look like I have done something against you. You came to find God. Another person also came to find God and then you let that person drive you away from God. I don't think it's a wise thing to do. Amen. And that is what offense does to us. Hallelujah. Now we say that when a person gets offended and he doesn't heal, he goes into a stage of passivity where you become passive. You are, you, you are in the church and because of one offense, you decide not to say anything about anything anymore because of an offense. You don't want to be involved in anything anymore. You don't want to be involved in any of the activities of the church. You are in the church. You don't smile. You don't you don't know. You say, as for this church, I know I am not going to say anything. Even I'm not going to smile to offend. You see, you don't hear and you become passive. You are here, but you are not here. Amen. Now, when you stay in that stage for a long time, it destroys you. It moves you to a state of destruction. Hallelujah. And that is what we are learning. And we have said so many things about passivity. And last week, I was just completing a passage with you. I was reading a passage with you in 2 Samuel chapter 13. 2 Samuel chapter 13, just before we go to our next stage, let us complete that passage quickly, and then we will move on. Can I have the New Living Translation in this passage, please? 2 Samuel chapter 13. He says, now David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar. 
and Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Look at this guy. He has fallen in love with his half-sister. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? He has fallen in love with his love with, with his half-sister. Young ladies, I want you to listen very carefully. He has fallen in love. The Bible says, now Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. He felt desperately in love with her. Now, when a young man falls desperately in love with you, you can feel it. You can sense it. Isn't that so? You can see it. The way he's perceiving you. The way he's texting you. The way he's calling you. The way he's after you. The way he's commenting on you. Your dress. Your hair. Your eyes. Everything about you. You can feel that he is in love with you. He has fallen in love with you. Do you understand what I'm saying with you? The Bible says he fell desperately. How many young women has you have identified a young man who has fallen desperately in love with you? You know what? Yeah. Or not you, but you know some a friend of yours. You know a friend who someone fell desperately in love with. Not you. But you know a friend. Amen. That you can say, you can say, what then? I know he loves me. You know, when when I say he loves me, I know what I'm talking about. You see, you can say it with that confidence. Because the man has fallen desperately in love with you. And he will do anything for you. Even you have wronged him. You have insulted him. And then he apologized to you for insulting him. And then he said, Ask for this love. I've never seen one before. Wow. What love is this? Verse 2 says, Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. He was so obsessed. You know, is a young woman, you like to be chased. Do you understand? You like to be chased. That the man is chasing after me. You know, his text messages, they are non-stop. And then, you see, sometimes you are sitting in the office and you are working or you are studying. And then, put the, the text message, and then the, the, the notification, it keeps coming. It's like, oh, oh, the man cannot rest. The man cannot get his mind off me. Doesn't it feel good? Then you feel, you feel loved. You feel beautiful. You feel wanted. You feel needed. So this is what became. He says he became obsessed with Tamar. That he became ill. He was sick. And you saw his behavior. And he says, he says, I'm mad because of you. I have gone mad. I can't sleep. I can't eat. He says, I can't study. How many of your friend has said something like this to you before? Your friend, not you, not you, but your friend. He says, I can't focus. I can't concentrate. 
Since I met you, since I spoke with you, I cannot think. You see, a young man has said that before. Wow. Amen. So he says, Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin. And Amnon thought he could never have her. You know, there are some of you, because of your relation with God and the church, the way you serve God, there are certain men, they walk around, they know they will never have you. They will never have you. They have tried everything. They know they will never have you. Any man who has not married you may never have you. And still put the ring on your finger. Amen. He said she was a virgin. And Amnon thought he could have her. Could talk. Amnon could never thought he could never have her. Verse 3. But Amnon had a very crafty friend. His cousin, Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother, Shimea. You see, you have to take lessons from this young man also. When you are associating with certain friends, you realize that this friend is not helping you. You realize that this friend is leading you and is making it easier for you to get girls. You know, some of you have certain friends, just being friends is not helpful to you. Because you are both bad. I am preaching to you. I say I am preaching to you. You are both bad. You see, there are some young people, they have come to the church, and their plan is that we want to sleep with the young girls in the church. You have no idea what you are doing. God will cut off your head. You are both. You talk to your friends, Charlie. This chick, I have tried everything. I have tried everything. So this is what he told his cousin. So look, he says he had this crafty friend. His cousin is Jonadab. His name is Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother Shimei. Verse four. One day, Jonadab said to Amnon, "What is the trouble?" Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. I am in love with my half-sister. 
And then this friend, Jonadab, said, Well, this will not be anything. This is a small problem. Is this why you are down like this? So he says, Come, 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 come. Let me give you a way out. You see? And then he told them, He says, When you he says, Go back to bed. He said, First of all, he says, I will tell you what to do. Any friend who advises you like that, move away from him. Or move away from her. He says, I will tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend you are ill. Look, I am reading the Bible. Don't, don't, if you don't have the Bible, I will give you one on your phone right now. So you open to the scriptures and read with me. He said, I will tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend you are ill. Be, pretend like you are sick. There are so many young men, they pretend to be sick for young women to visit them, to call them, and so on and so forth. They are not sick. They are not sick. Dreams. And they are telling them all kinds of dreams. All kinds of dreams. Anyone who is always dreaming and coming to you, I have a dream that God showed me this. I have a dream that God showed me this. I have a you are low. You are low. How come that you are low? Every day. Every day. But he said, this friend says, go back to bed and pretend you are ill. When your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you will feel better if she prepares it as you watch and feeds you with her own hands. This is the plan. He says, now you take it from there. Do you understand? And a friend leaves you with this plan. So, verse 6. So, Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. You see, if you are a pastor and sometimes some people call you, you pray for them. Oh, pastor, I'm sick. I can't breathe. And then the pastor, you too, you are praying. Sometimes go and anoint them with oil. They will never get better until Tamar comes. They will never get better. So he says, Allah, he says, he lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the king came to see him, Amnon asked him, please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish as I watch. Then I can eat it from her own hand. You see, so if King David would have sent any other daughter of hers or the servant, he could have sent three servants, expert cooks, the man will not be well. He will not be well. So the man will be sick and then I said, oh, can you get some of the sisters to make some food and send to them? He will eat all the food. He will never be well. Until one particular sister's food. So he says, I want my sister Tamar to come and make the food in front of me. Then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed. Innocent father. Innocent pastor. Oh. Why don't you make some soup and take it to this brother? Light soup. Make it a little spicy. And take it to the brother. 
So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, we are reading the Bible. When Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, she went to the place where he was lying down so he could watch her make some dough. Make some dough. Because he, they, he has heard that. You see, they call you, the brother calls you and says, I heard that the way you make fufu, the way you make banku, I heard that you make it in a way, but people should really see how you make it. And so I want you to come and make it in my house. And he said, oh, who told you? Oh, who told you that? You see, that it's going in your head. After my banku, it's very special. But who told you? Tell me, who told you? You see, and then it's going in your head. And then you go and do your shopping, buy meat that you have never eaten before. That you cannot even afford. And buy all kinds of things, all kinds of animals, and all kinds of things that you are going to make him food. Soon that you cannot afford. You take your paycheck and then go to African market and buy all kinds of meat. And then you bring it to him. And then he said, today he's going to taste my food. He's going to eat banku like he has never eaten before. I said, I will make it in front of him. You will see how banku is made. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So the man wants the woman to come in front of him and then mix the dough. Mix the dough. Not cut the onions. Mix the dough. So he wants to see the woman shaking. She's mixing the dough. She's mixing the dough. She, and then she's looking. And then it's looking. And then as you are mixing the dough, you think that, you know, you, you look at it and you see that he's looking. So you start to mix it. And then you start to mix it. And then you are mixing. And then you turn around. And then you are mixing. Mixing the dough. Mixing. And then the man is looking. And the man is looking. And then you are mixing the dough. Meanwhile, when you are old and you are mixing the dough, you are even angry. And then you are just doing the angry, angry mixing the dough. But now, this is how you are mixing the dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. Are you listening to what I'm saying with you? The Lord is delivering you. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. Cook his favorite dish for him. And then look. But when she set the seventh tray before him, he refused to eat. She has finished the cooking. She served the food and he refused to eat. Oh, Christian sister, I'm so cold. Would you mind just feeding me with the soup? I can't even move my hand. My hand is shaking. You see, and then you, you see, Christian sister, and then you feel bad. Oh, brother, are you that sick? And then you, he says, come and sit here. Come and sit here. Look at this. Reading the Bible, I'm reading the Bible. It says, When she met, when she set the seven tree before him, he refused to eat. Everyone, get out of here. Listen, young woman, this is the time when you hear or when you see that you have gone to a guy's house and then his friends begin to leave. You see, the young men, they know the truth that I'm talking about. You see, 
release. And then this one says, Oh, Charlie, Charlie, give me one second. Give me one second. And then we leave. And then you are sitting there, and another one, Oh, Charlie, give me one minute. And then you leave. And then you are, you are, you are all friends. He says, Oh, I'm getting something downstairs. I'll be right back. And then you are left alone. So he says, Get everyone out of here. Drive all the servants out of here. That's the king's son. Drive all the servants out of here. And then, it, don't rush me, please. I'm taking my time to share. Everyone get out of here. Amnon told his servant. So they all left. They all left. When you see this young woman, begin to walk. I said, begin to walk. Begin to walk. Begin to run. When you see that everyone is leaving, you look here, you look there, take off. Take off. They say we are all we are all going to better came to eat. And they are all sitting there. You see this one leave, go to the bathroom, this one, and you are here alone, take off and go to the bathroom. When you see all of them come, then you also come. Don't be left with him alone. Do not be left with him alone. I want to teach you something. He said, everyone get out of here. I'm not told the seven. So they all left. The next verse. Then he said to Tamar, now bring the food into my bedroom. I'm reading the Bible. He says, now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. You see, and then he's pretending to be sick. So he's shaking. He's shaking. He cannot take his hands out of the blanket. So he says, oh, can I put my head on your lap so that you just feed me? That's all. That's all I want to do. I think it will make me feel better. And then Christian sister says, oh, why not? Why not? Come here. Put your head here. Put your head. Let me feed you. So he says, now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here in the bedroom. Once you walk into the bedroom, there is no return. <laughs> Do you hear me? So Tamar took a favorite dish to him in the bedroom. Because sometimes you are a Christian sister and you think this is a Christian brother who does things in the church. Very committed Christian brother. So you think he's safe. He's not safe. He's not safe. Everyone that is here, everyone that is here ought to be very safe to be with. But you cannot assume that everyone that is here is safe to be with. Is somebody understanding what I'm saying? You see, we ought to be safe to be with. But it's not everyone that is safe to be with. Amen. So when you see that, he says, bring the food to my bedroom and feed me. Immediately, text the pastor. Quickly. Text me and say, let them come and get me out of here. Text me quickly. So Tamar took his favorite dish to him. But as she was feeding him, as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded Come to bed with me, my darling sister, Christian sister. 
my eyes have been on you for a long time. Today is today. Come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. And then, look. No, my brother. She cried. Don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things I went down in Israel. You see, this is not a time for preaching. This is not a time for preaching. This is not a time for a message. Have you not heard that message you say? No, no. This is not a time for preaching. This is too late. When you get here, it is too late. When you get here and you begin to preach to the man, he has no head to hear you. I'm telling you. He has no mind to hear you. He has no understanding at all. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? At this stage, he is a beast. And until he is released, he, the mind is not working. So it is not a time to preach to him. It is not a time to begin to talk. Oh, talk to Reverend. If you want me, call Reverend. Talk to Reverend. Don't put yourself in that situation. Don't get there. He says, bring the food to my bedroom. He said, then you will not eat. You say, your bedroom, then you will not eat. You can be sick all you want and die. Tell him, you can die. And the church will bury you. He says, don't do this foolish thing. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things are done in Israel. Where, where could I go in my shame? And you will be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. They don't care at that time. He said, he, and we are telling him, let me find out about this. What if I become pregnant? They don't care about that time. They don't care. I am telling you. Please, just speak to the king about it. And he will let me marry you. If you like me, talk to heaven. But this is not the time for that conversation. That is not the time for that conversation. Verse 14. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. And since he was stronger than she was, he ripped her. She ripped her. Many young women have put themselves in a situation like this. Many young women have put themselves in a situation and they feel where I've come too far and they have to give in. You climb and climb and climb. It's like a roller coaster. You see, when you are going up, you have an opportunity as you are in the line. You have an opportunity to get out of the line. Do you understand? You have an opportunity to say, I'm not getting on the ride. At the time that you are measuring height, that stage, you have an opportunity to say, I'm not getting on the ride. Even when you sit down and they are putting other people on, you still have the opportunity to get off the ride. When they say everyone should put their seatbelt, you still have opportunity to get off the ride. But when you put off your seatbelt and they lock the gate and it starts going up, there's no return. It will take you up, 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 up like this and then it will drop you. And when it drops you, many young women have gone through this. Many young women. The boy is talking to you 
He's saying this, he's saying that, he's saying this, he's saying that. That is a lie. He says, I am, I am dying for love for you. I am dying because of you. That is a lie. I said, that is a lie. Young women, are you listening to me? I said, that is a lie. So now listen. He says, and Amnon wouldn't listen to her. And since he was stronger than she was, he raped her. Then suddenly, this is the place. Then suddenly, love turned, Amnon's love turned to hate. Whenever the man is done sleeping with you, the love turns to hate. It is scriptural. I'm telling you. It is biblical. Don't tell me, Pastor, my situation is different. Pastor, ask for me, it is different. Pastor, it's different with me. Don't tell me that. He says, Amnon's love turned to hate. And he hated her even more than he had loved her. How many times have you finished with him and then you call him and he doesn't understand the phone? You text him, he doesn't respond. He says, meet me here, he's not there. He says, I'm going, I'll be right back, he will not come back again. He said, can you take me to Costco? He says, take the car. But before then, before, he's dying for your love. He's dying for your love. But he says the love that he had was even, the hatred now was more than the love that he had for her. And then he says, get out of here. Look, when he's done with you, he doesn't want you anymore. Let me tell you, young woman, any man that is in the church that wants to sleep with you, if he's done sleeping with you, he will not marry you. He will not marry you. You see, a lot of these people, they have come from the world. All of us have come from the world. And have had various experiences. And as we have come, we are looking to purify our lives. We are looking to live better lives. But you see, we are born again, but still the enemy is still talking to us. It is the same flesh. Do you understand what I'm saying? The desires are still there. And so every now and then the desire comes and the person wants to sleep with you. Have you not seen how many times he, li- he has lied to you? That should give you a key. That he's not going to marry you. And if he's going to marry, you see when he gets the chance to now marry for someone who is in the church and you say you are a Christian and you have slept with him, you are not the one he's going to marry. One, he cannot trust you. Because you say you are born again and you are sleeping with me, I cannot trust you. It means that you are not born again. It means you are not who you say you are. And so if he is looking to marry someone, he's going to find someone who does not sleep with a young woman, the young man in the church. He's going to find another virgin to marry. When the time comes for him to marry, he's going to look for another virgin to marry. If you like, after church, ask all the married men, that did they marry the woman that was sleeping with them all the time? Did, is that the man that they married? Especially as they are born again. You see, when you are not born again, you don't know certain things. You don't know certain things. Does someone understand what I'm sharing with you? So he says, I'm not now hated her. And he says, get out of here. And then he says, don't call me anymore. I don't want to hear you anymore. Do not call me anymore. And then he changes his number. That you cannot reach him anymore. Am I preaching to someone? 
He says, get out of here and don't call me again. In fact, delete me from your mind. He snarled at her. The next verse. No, no, no. Tamar cried. Sending me away now is worse than what you have done already to me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. Many young women go through this. So, verse 17, he shouted for his servant and demanded, throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. I am telling you, all he wants is to sleep with you. When he done sleeping with you, that is all. That is all. He will move on to the next woman. He will move on for the next woman. So he said, throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. So the servant put her out and locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was the custom in those days for the king's virgin daughters. But now, Tamar tore her robe. Many women have torn their robes because of your wickedness. Because of certain wicked young men. They have torn their robes. Their heads are down. They cannot walk. They are always crying inside. Always crying inside. Because of certain wickedness. They cannot dress anymore. They have no hope in life. They have no desire. They don't trust any man anymore. Because of your wickedness. Say to your neighbor, repent, 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 repent. He said, but now Tamar tore her robe and put ashes on her head. And then with her face in her hand, oh, with her face in her hand, she went away crying. She went away crying. You see, you are going on with your life, but the woman is going crying. Crying. You are going on with your life. Nothing is around you. Nothing is with you. Sometimes they get pregnant. And then she had the pregnancy with her. Going with her life, with her love song, her hand in her, her face in her hand, her head down, crying. But you are going on with your life. Sometimes she stops going to school, but you are going on with your life. Still going to school. Doing all kinds of things. And then you rise up and then find another woman to marry. And she has a child. And then you, she, they, sometimes they stop coming to church. But you continue to come. And then you bring your wife. Reverend, this is my wife now. This is my child. This is, can you pray for us? Can you bless us? Can you do this? And you have destroyed another woman's life. Someone's life. You have destroyed her life. You see, you don't mind the consequences of these things. You don't mind. You don't mind. Destroying lives. If you are here, a young man, you have any plans to sleep with a young woman, may the Lord delete that from your heart. May the Lord kill that desire that is in you. The desire to sleep with another woman. Amen. She went on crying. Her brother Absalom saw her and asked, is it true that Amnon has been with you? Where are my sister? Keep quiet for now, since he's your brother. You see, sometimes we have the tendency to just, sister, it's okay. You know, these things happen all the time. You are not the first one. You know, lift up your head. 
and continue on. Continue on. And continue to pray. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? You see? And then, we are consoling her like that. But this is the, the scripture that I want us to come to. It says, well, my sister, keep quiet for now. Do you see? Keep quiet for now. Since he is your brother, don't you worry about it. This is Absalom. Tamar's full brother, Tamar's brother, when he heard about what Amnon has done to his sister, this is what she told, he told her. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. Desolate. Empty. Nothing in her. Living a hopeless life. Thinking there's nothing in life. Because of you. Because of your behavior. You have made yourself like a wicked person. Trying to destroy life. And you have no feeling that this thing that I'm trying to do is going to destroy a life. So this it says when the king when King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. Now, this is the scripture that I want us to look at. That when he's offended, he didn't say anything, he became passive. Absalom was quiet. He says, though he never spoke to Amnon about it, he didn't mention it to him. He didn't say anything. He says, I'm not going to say anything about this issue at all to anyone. And then he says, two years, two years later, when Absalom's sheep were being sheared at Balhazar near Ephraim, Absalom invited all the king's sons to come to a feast. Do you see? You see, this is two years down the line. There are some people, they have been offended. Two years and they are passive. They have stopped doing all the things that they do. And then one day, you see, passivity, it will lead you to react. And so Absalom didn't say anything. He said, the Bible says, he never said good nor bad to Amnon. For two years, they didn't say anything about the issue. And then one day, he decided to organize a party. He says, his when Absalom's sheep were being sheared at Balhazar near Ephraim, Absalom invited all the king's sons to come to a feast, come to a party. He went to the king and said, My sheep shearers are now at work. Will the king and his servants please come to celebrate the occasion with me? The king replied, No, my son. If, all, if we all come, we will be too much of a burden on you. Absalom pressed him. But the king would not come, though he gave Absalom his blessing. Well then, Absalom said, if you can't come, how about sending my brother Amnon with us? Why Amnon? The king asked. But Absalom kept on pressing the king. Oh, you know how Absalom, Amnon and I are. You know, we are brothers. I can't do anything without Amnon. I can't do, I love him. But you see, it's hatred. He says, deeply he hated him. But he, he pressed on the king. He says, he pressed, kept on pressing the king until he finally agreed to let all his sons attend, including Amnon. So Absalom prepared a feast fit for a king. And they all came. Absalom told his men, wait until Amnon gets drunk. Then at my signal, kill him. 
Don't be afraid. I am the one who has given the command. Take courage and do it. So at Absalom's signal, they murdered Amnon. Then the other sons of the king jumped on their mules and fled. <laughs> Amen. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? So you see, passivity, it leads to destruction. From this scripture, Absalom did not become the same person again. From this scripture, Absalom now became a rebellious person. After this happened, he took off and he became an enemy to his own father because of passivity, because he never healed from that offense. After Amnon raped his sister, he never healed from that offense. And he kept quiet for two years. Two good years in passivity. Two good years, neither said good nor bad. Until one day, the plan that he was hatching, anytime you are in a passive mode, anytime you are offended and you don't heal, the enemy conjures a plan in you. He conjures a plan in you. And he keeps building, and he keeps building, and he keeps building until a day that it will act. Anytime you are not healed, and you become passive, you'll be here, and one day, you just will walk out, and that will be the end. And then when you go out, you become a different person to the church. And that brings me to the next stage of disloyalty, or the next stage of unfaithfulness. Hallelujah. And that is the critical stage. How many of you want to know about the critical stage? Critical stage. The next stage of passivity is critical stage. When you do not heal from offense, you become passive. And passivity grows into a critical stage. Hallelujah. A critical stage. Amen. When you become critical, when you become passive and you don't heal, you move to a critical stage. A person who becomes critical, a person who gets into the critical stage, is a person who is always criticizing. Always criticizing. Hallelujah. You refuse to acknowledge or to account for positive sides of things. After you have become offended and you don't heal and you go through passivity and you go into critical stage, you become someone who complains. Someone who finds fault about everything. You see, when you become critical, say for instance, you are in a choir and you get offended and you don't heal and then you become passive. You decide not to join the choir anymore. You decide just to sit down. You see, what is always in your heart desire is they will sing a song that they fail. To prove that without me, they can't go far. It is all you see when you are when you are in a company, you are in a company where you get offended and you don't heal, and then you get into a passive stage where you pull back, you are desiring a failure for the company. You are desiring to prove to them that without you they can't go far. You become critical, you become a complainant. When you are in a marriage and you get offended and you don't heal, you move to a stage of passivity. You say, your husband is suggesting something. He says, whatever you want. Anything goes with me. Whenever you move into that stage, what you are doing is that you want him to fail. To prove that without me, you can't do much. So you want to watch him fail. 
to prove to him that without me you can't do it anytime you move to the critical stage you become a critic you are criticizing everything everything, everything. you begin to criticize everything amen, amen. and that is what you become wow. hallelujah that is a critical stage amen even the things that benefit you, the things that you have benefited from, you begin to see evil sides of them. The same church that you have benefited from, you begin to see evil sides of them. Hallelujah. You begin to criticize the pastor. You begin to criticize the music. You begin to criticize the message. The same message that has blessed you for a long time that you stood up for, you lifted up your hand and you said, preach on, we finish and we close in and say, oh. That same message. Now you begin to criticize because you have moved to another critical stage and that is a spirit also that is controlling you. The same church. You begin, you begin complaining. You begin talking about it. You know, the pastor's job is a very difficult job. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? The pastor's job is not like any other job. Amen. The pastor's job, you see, when you have a legal matter, when you have a lawyer, you need a legal issue. You have a legal issue with the court, you call your pastor. When you have a marital issue, you call your pastor. Your pastor is supposed to be a marital counselor. He's supposed to be a lawyer, a judge to you. When you are sick, you call your pastor is supposed to be a doctor. When you are unemployed, your pastor is supposed to be a human resources at some kind of human resources. Look, the pastor's job is not easy. You know that there's no profession. There's no work. You see, every area of your life is sectioned into different compartments and different specialists take care of them. So you have a legal issue, you go to see a lawyer. You have a, a, a medical issue, you go to see a doctor. You have a marital issue, you go to see a counselor. Unemployed, you are going to um, human resources. But the pastor ought to be this for every single person. Not you alone. Not that alone. For every single person. Some of you, you can't reach your doctors at certain hours, but you can reach your pastor. You can't reach your lawyers at certain hours, but you can reach your pastor. Concerning that legal matter, you call your pastor. But the same person now, you begin to criticize. Criticize. Your lawyer told you you have your papers in two years. Five years, six years, seven years, you have, you have not criticized. You still continue to give him money. He says, come for consultation. You still continue to give him. He says, next week, you go. Next month, you go. You don't criticize, but your pastor. Criticizing your pastor. You are angry. You never leave your lawyer because he's, you are angry. You went for the interview. Your lawyer didn't show up. He reschedules. You are not angry. You don't fire him. You don't leave. But small thing, you are angry with your pastor. You are angry with the church. Meanwhile, the church is becoming everything to you. When you have funeral, you don't call funeral directors. You have a death in the family, you don't call funeral directors. You call your pastor. Hey, Reverend, the plans, the funeral arrangements, the this, the flowers, the someone. I don't have someone who will read this. I don't have someone. The pastor is a funeral planner. 
Am I sharing something with you? When you fail your exams, you don't even call your father or your mother to cry unto. You call your pastor. When you have a wedding, now stop, pastor. Hey, pastor, I don't have anyone who is bringing them. I don't have this person who is. I don't have this person who is. Who is doing this? The pastor is a wedding planner. What is is the pastor now? Everything. Everything. Amen. Amen. Beloved, let's cherish what the Lord has given us. Let's admire what the Lord has given us. You see, offense will always come. There must need be that offense will come. You see, the church was perfect until you joined the church. We were perfect until you joined it. We were perfect until you joined the church. If you find a perfect church and you join it, it becomes imperfect because of you. Does somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? There is no perfect church. If you find one, come and tell me. So I can go and learn what they do to become perfect. That they don't offend anyone. Even this message that I've preached, some people have been offended. But I've preached. I tell you, I've preached. I have shared from my heart. I have poured out from my heart. Amen. Whether you like it or not. It's done. I'm done. So put your hands together for the Lord. I'm done. We'll continue next time we meet. Amen. Lord, help us to heal, to heal, to heal. The offense. Lord, help us. Offense. It destroys relationship. To move to a state of passivity and then become critical. Father, our criticism is destroying the church. Our criticism is destroying our relationships. The criticism is destroying our marriage. That every day we are criticizing. Every day we are criticizing. We don't see any good in the marriage. The same marriage that has made you who you are today. The same marriage that has brought you to where you are today. Beloved, cherish it. Cherish it. Cherish it. Cherish it. If you begin to admire that marriage, God will add to it. For he said, if a man finds a wife, he has found a good thing. Beloved, the same church that has ministered to you, the same church that has been there for you, through your difficulties, through your challenges, the same church has been there for you. Supporting you. Praying with you. Celebrating with you. The same church that dedicated your children. The same church that prayed for you. Celebrated with you. On Saturday wedding. Why do that the same time? When you are full of love. Lord heal us.
asking you to give your life to Jesus. Anyone here like that? Anyone here like that? Father, we thank you for the gift of salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you clap for Jesus as you take your seats?